Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are back coming to you now again, once again, from the great state of northern Michigan. Ah, weird. I feel like I've traveled all over the place because I have. Indeed, I am back for a little bit of uh, break time, at least uh, in the proverbial sense. Uh, I still have quite a bit of stuff to do, but we just finished up the delivery. Um, Tenants Harbor, Maine, all the way down to Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about on the show today. We're going to do a bit of a recap, uh, how everything went, all that sort of stuff, what it was like to go back to sea after really uh, uh, being away, being a landlubber for quite some time, and uh, how the delivery went. It's been a long time since I did one of those, and yeah, we're just going to get into that. I did record a ton, an absolute ton of stuff uh, while I was out there, but I didn't have my microphones, so the audio quality is probably not going to be as good as normal. But it's, you know, real life out on the water sort of sort of podcast stuff. So I think it'll be pretty well worth the uh, well worth everything. I just literally got back to the house here uh, minutes ago. And I know I'm late on the pod. I uh, apologize for that. But, you know, I'm not at sea. So it's a little hard, uh, hard to be able to upload while you're out there. It's actually impossible. This was kind of a different different sort of trip. But um yeah, I'm going to work on that over the next few days and hopefully by midweek have podcast out from all the raw all the raw recordings from out at sea all spliced together into one or two. We'll sort of see how that goes. I got to see how long it is. Um it was really kind of interesting to do the podcast that way cuz there were somewhere I was up in the cockpit, somewhere I was, you know, lounging around on the boat, somewhere I was in my little tiny cabin. So it'll be kind of weird. The ambiance around, I'm interested to hear. I haven't even listened to any of them yet. So unless uh, I pull them up and the audio is just awful, I will post those out. So that's going to be the uh, the next show. But I figure, you know what, let's do a recap of everything right now. And that way we can uh, just sort of get into it. But before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to support this podcast like so many of you fine, wonderful people already do, on Patreon. The link is in the description. You can become part of the crew, part of the family that helps support this show being ad-free and uh, continuing on into the future. Big, big thanks to everybody that does that already. Um, There is also, for those of you who don't want to join some sort of subscription thing and all that sort of stuff, understandable, absolutely. Uh, I will have links for PayPal and for Venmo if you just want to drop a little donation towards Sparrow getting new sales that is the goal at this point. New sales, new sales, new sales. And, uh, you know, we're looking at probably eight grand because I got to get some pretty uh, big deal ones so that they're not a lot of them. I'm just looking for a main and a stasel. But uh, regardless, if you want to donate that way, I'll put the links in the description for that. And then, uh, as always, we have our merch shelf on uh, with all the shirts and everything. And if you want to just reach out to the show, give me, a, give me an email, sort of thing like that. Go to sailingintooblivion.com. Follow the podcast link and hit the contact the show button. Those go directly to me. And I got I got some pretty interesting emails while I was out at sea and uh, 
pretty interesting uh, leads, not only on some more talks, but also on some potential people looking for help. Uh, Hannah, shout out to Hannah. She was looking for some information on deliveries and how to get this boat that they just purchased down the East Coast um, so that they can set off on uh, a new life of cruising. So that'll be kind of interesting. I'm going to talk to her hopefully this week and we'll see what we can sort of sort out and find out the information because it's kind of tricky. You know, where do you where do you find good crew? How do you know they're good? I mean, I, I on the downside, you never know who you're going to get if you find somebody online or something like that. You know, it's always the sailing world revolves around recommendations and having a good reputation is something in the sailing world that is desperately uh, you have to watch out for it. You know, you can you hop on some delivery or something like that. You'd be a real jerk and you don't pull your weight and you don't really know what you're doing, but you claim you do. You know, your your words speak a lot louder than your actions, so to speak. Uh, it's not good, and it gets around. And that's a good thing for the community because it sort of uh, alerts people. But the Internet has a way of disguising and hiding that sort of stuff. And I know of a couple uh, people that have, you know, hired on said captains uh, that have all the all the know-how on paper, and then when they get out to sea, it's a completely different story. So you don't want to find yourself in that situation. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's there's ways around it, I suppose. But, again, it comes down to word of mouth, you know, getting those good recommendations. And I've, I think I talked about it in a podcast a while back about, like, gaining experience and such. But, essentially, um, chatting with people and – finding wait I, I think i lost my train of thought there <laughs> i've been awake since uh about three it's crazy actually i forgot to set my alarm i had a 5 30 departure from charleston which meant a four o'clock pickup which meant a 3 45 wake up i slept in my clothes i was just like i'm gonna be so exhausted after a very very long last night out on the water surfing waves oh my gosh it was awesome uh and I guess you know um so my my brain's a little scrambled but that's okay it's good to be this exhausted when you've when you've uh tried your best to do your best and uh really really uh being out on the sea is kind of exhausting so if I'm a little bit uh you know, if I'm not on track at all with this podcast, please forgive my mentally slow brain at this point. But yeah, I don't know. Finding those delivery crew or especially captains and all that sort of stuff, it is it can be hit or miss on the old internet. So it's always best to try and find, you know, local people and 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 really one of the best things. Don't ever let just the internet be your guide. Make sure that you're talking to people on the phone, meeting them in person. If you're trusting your boat or your life, you know, if you're going on the boat with them, you got to make sure you got the right kind of people in there. You wouldn't, uh, I don't know, I guess every day people hop in Ubers and all that sort of stuff, and they're sort of vetted, I suppose, but you really never know who you're getting into a car with. Um, it's a little, little different with the boat, I would suppose, but... Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of tricky, but uh, yeah, my advice was always make sure you're not just emailing, but you're talking, and uh, if you can, face-to-face it and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the best thing would be to get out and do a little sea trial, not only for the boat, but for the captain, huh? 
Not a bad idea. Well, cheers, everybody. Ah, just feels darn good to raise a glass after a nice long trip. Trip took, uh, let's see, left on the 12th, no, 13th we departed and uh, pulled in on the 19th. Not bad, not bad. Six days, six days, seven days, six nights, something like that. And man, it's uh, ah, it was like up and down. When I got to Maine, it was freezing cold. Oh, it was so cold. I got outside of that airport. I flew into Rockland uh, via Cape Air from Boston, and that was awesome. It was beautiful. It was clear. You go up the, or down the coast, as they say, down east. You see all the little towns, all the coasts. Man, Maine has a lot of coastline. It is crazy. It is, you know kind of had a, a comparable flight coming up here to northern Michigan once we got up to the tip uh, of the Met you know you're going over Grand Traverse Bay you see all the lakes you see Beaver Island you see Little Traverse Bay all that sort of stuff and it has nothing on the coast of Maine as far as cragginess and inlets and rivers and all that sort of, it's just amazing Maine is a dramatic state i think that's a great way to describe its coastline so that was really cool flew in there but boy when i stepped out those doors holy smokes i was cold i was digging through my my sailing bag uh so fast pulling out thermals and puff jackets and gloves and my baklava aka neck warmer because i essentially uh because i had to catch that flight which meant going through uh, not customs, but going through the security check again, I didn't, and I didn't have a huge amount of time. I only could carry on. And, you know, that's always been kind of a rule of thumb with me when it comes to joining a boat for a delivery is show up with one bag. Smaller, the better. Um, it kind of gives you the illusion of knowing what you're doing. And really, all I need or all anybody needs when they do a delivery is what they're going to be wearing on the boat and then one set of clothes to arrive in and then leave in. You know, I suppose you could get fancy, bring a second T-shirt, a uh, second pair of pants for when you leave in case you can't do laundry. I did not do that. So I'm actually quite literally wearing the exact same clothes that I wore when I left Michigan uh, I'm wearing the same exact clothes coming back, and they have not been washed, and I have not been washed. I'm a little, eh, eh, I'm a little stinky, but not bad, not bad. It's bearable. Uh, I put deodorant on and stuff, and I showered last night. So, you know, we went out to a lovely Mexican restaurant. Shout out Matador. Uh, not the best service in the, no, no. The hostess wasn't that great, but I'll tell you what, the waitress we had, Shout out Reagan. She did an awesome job and it was fantastic food. Oh my, I could not stop eating. I just, and I was eating off everybody else's plates. It was magical. Oh my gosh. And I, I paid the price in the morning though. If you know what I mean, not to get too graphic, but there were multiple stops to the men's. <laughs> a few of them in a rush. Oh, geez. Uh, we don't have to talk about that though. Hmm. But yeah, get up to Maine, whoosh, and then get get picked up by the very lovely. Um, we're, we're her name is Kim. She's absolutely fantastic. It was Kim and John that that had me come out and help them bring the boat down. But uh, we will forever refer to Kim now. And I actually have a podcast that I will be putting out uh, probably on Saturday that I did with Kim in Annapolis during the speaking tour. Uh, 
because she was taking some courses down there. So that one's going to be kind of cool. Look forward to that. But she got a nice little nickname towards the end. We called her Alarm Clock because, uh, you know, on a delivery, when you got a bunch of crew doing watch shifts and all that sort of stuff, what you do, the norm, the etiquette, if you will, is that the person who is on watch wakes up the person who is next coming up. And you do that usually about 10, 15 minutes before or upon their request, longer or shorter, depends. Uh, but that's how you do it. That way you don't accidentally disturb people because it's very easy to get distracted. And all of a sudden you're sort of, you know, maybe you wake up 10 minutes early, you go make some coffee, you get right into it, and then you forget that you got some Justin Bieber phone ringtone jamming out down below while you're up there acclimatizing to the weather and everybody else is trying to sleep and it is a faux pas and i'm just giving kiff kim some guff here because she's absolutely phenomenal she is a wonderful human being with an energy and a spirit and a inquisitiveness to her about sailing and an enthusiasm it's just unparalleled it really is quite fantastic and she you know she kept trying to sort of throttle herself back a little bit from peppering me with questions, but I was more than happy to oblige in every way, shape, or form because when I see that sort of enthusiasm, I want to feed it. I want to feed it as much as possible and see where it takes that person, and it's going to be great to watch her develop as a sailor and, uh, and you know, be able to explore, as she says, all those regions that she's never been in. We had a little debate. Between adventurers and explorers. And, they, you know, explorers are kind of, you know, they're exploring stuff that nobody knows. They're the first ones going in there. Adventurers are going out into some pretty crazy places, all that sort of stuff. But to really coin yourself as an explorer, it's got to be uncharted waters, not just for you, but for everybody. At least that's my take on it. In any event, Kim picks me up. We go back to the house. Settled in, there's we're awash with stuff, just like it always is. Uh, you know, the night before a trip, there's gear, there's there's food, there's all the stuff that you know, everything looks you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way we're gonna be ready, we can't go tomorrow, blah blah blah. But settle my brain down, we have a nice meal, we have a little bit of a party, a few friends over, all that sort of stuff, and then. Bang, we uh, we head on out, and uh, the next morning, start just ticking off the list, get the boat fueled up. Next thing I know, it's 12 o'clock, and we are on our way. Beautiful, crisp, sunny day. Almost no wind at all, but absolutely freezing cold. Uh, probably in the shade, 35 degrees in the sun, maybe 45. And... Yeah, we just, John and I headed out uh, across the Gulf of Maine, and we were going to pick up the third crew member uh, at the Cape Cod Canal. So we had essentially an overnight across the Gulf of Maine. And man, when that sun went down, it just got freezing cold. Holy smoke. I mean, we're talking, I had every thermal I had. So two bottoms, two bottoms plus pajamas, uh, two pair of socks, two thermals, the t shirt. And uh, a poof jacket, the baklava, the winter hat, the gloves, everything, and even some hand warmers. Thanks. Shout out Kim again for hooking us up with those uh, just to make it through. And John and I just did three on, three off. 
straight motoring. It's a beautiful Saber 45. Uh, so we're motoring at like eight, eight and a half knots and steady as she goes. Comfortable, big Dodger. So we kept us out of the little induced wind that we were creating and we just sort of pushed through the night. The stars were good for a little bit. Then it got a little cloudy. And on John's watch, I think he did the midnight to three. Or maybe it was he did the three to six. But it snowed on him. And uh, we started bouncing around. I guess he had a snow squall, but it didn't last. So we thought we were going to be able to sail a little bit, but we were not able to. But in the morning, just as we entered Cape Cod Bay outside of Boston and all that sort of stuff, we were able to... See a nice little sunrise. And then Cape Cod Canal, never been. So, wow, it was really, really cool. I've always wondered about it. You know, as a solo sailor, I'm looking for offshore peace and quiet, no traffic, so I can actually sleep. And the the thought, and I know I've talked about this before, but the thought of going through the Cape Cod Canal, you know, it's it's you've got traffic leading up to it. You got to get through the canal. Then you got all the traffic of Buzzards Bay and all that sort of stuff when you leave. So it's a long, it can be, if the traffic is heavy, a very long stint of no sleep as a solo sailor. And that's, that's pretty rough. So I typically go Great South Channel or I go north of George's Bank and then boom, I'm out. As soon as I get past the fishing fleet, I'm alone and then I can sleep. So but it's a little more treacherous with the uh, the old the old weather doing it that way. Um, but boy, yeah, yeah, that cuts a lot of time off the old trip when you do that canal. But we stopped over in a little harbor called Sandwich, uh, full of all sorts of working boats, crabbing boats, fishing boats, all that sort of stuff, and um, fueled the boat back up so we were tip top because we were looking at some some more motoring and stuff like that for the trip down. And originally the game plan was. Essentially, the the overarching goal was, well, let's get the boat down to Jacksonville. Um, but really, the necessity of the trip was, let's get the boat south of Hatteras. Um, you know, that's sort of the danger zone this time of year. And we just wanted to get it all the way down there. And then John and Kim can sort of go from there. Uh, but essentially, yeah, we, we pretty much hit our mark. Um, picked up our last crew member, Brian. And the three of us set off, and the winds actually forecasted and picked up. And we were broad-reaching pretty much right out of Buzzards Bay, uh, shut the old engine down, and had an awesome night of surfing waves up to like 10 knots, broad-reaching, just the first time we actually get to sail this boat. And we had... I think we were doing... I want to say we, we did full main, and the jib was maybe a 110, 120... Beautiful, brand new sails, fully batten main, uh, just oh, so nice. North sails, really, really good stuff. So we're just powering along, but it was fun. And the you know the auto helm could handle it all, but the camaraderie was good. Everybody's getting to know each other and stuff. I had known John, and I had actually met Brian before, but uh, you know you stick yourselves on a forty-five foot boat, and now the dynamics little bit different but um you know in the morning i cooked some breakfast i jumped right in on this one i wanted to sort of dust off the old delivery skills because you've you've got your sailing set of know-how where okay i know how to do this i know how to do that it's a new boat so i got to figure out each system but um there's that component but i think equally if not more important on most trips it's 
sort of the the ability to get along and have a good time with the people you're out there with because it's an adventure. Uh, it is a job. You're going from point A to point B. The goal is to get there, get there in one piece with the least amount of wear and tear, uh, and just make sure that you know you, everybody's having a, a decent time, everybody's safe. And to do that, you know, everybody's got to pull their weight. Everybody's got to, you know, put a little effort in, do a little cooking, offer to make coffee, keep the cockpit clean. You know, there's, there's little tasks here and there. You know, wipe down the head if it gets a little messy in there. Um, little little things. And it can, be, it can be tiny things, too. Like, you know, if you notice somebody's really tired or they didn't get some sleep and you're not feeling like you're tired at all, well, hey, Take a couple hours of their watch. It feels good. It's nice. It's a great way to build that camaraderie up. Then everybody's doing a team player. And we kind of feel like it's all there together. I mean, no joke at all. If if I'm presented with two crew and one of them's America's Cup champion, but kind of a jerk, and the other one doesn't really know much about sailing at all, but is like the nicest person in the world, dude, I'm going with Mr. Nice Guy. It's going to be way more fun teaching that person, molding them, um, you know, hopefully they're not a complete moron, but if they are, hey, at least you don't have to deal with a jerk. There's nothing worse than that on a boat. Just somebody who's, you know, super, like, in your face, just never stop talking. A constant, I've, I've dealt with that, like the alpha male, you know, quote-unquote type that just, you're just like, man, I mean, give some people a chance to just talk well luckily we didn't have any of that on this boat we were we were all in there and it was uh it was fun we were all having a good good time the weather was still very very cold the second and third night um and we had to motor we had to motor for like two days almost i think we i think in the end it was like 44 or 46 hours total of motoring when the winds picked up it was so light and bouncy that we couldn't maintain more than like four knots which on Sparrow uh, is awesome. <laughs> but on this boat, we were like, nah, we want to do seven, eight knots for sure. And so we just kicked that motor and motored sail. Um, and then we had we had one day where, I think it was day like four, where it actually warmed up. I don't know if we were just close enough to the Gulf Stream, and we stayed relatively inshore. You know, It was one of those trips where there wasn't a whole lot of reason and there wasn't a whole lot of good sort of pathway to go and cross the stream go offshore and then cross it back you know had had the the real game plan been like we've got to get this boat to jacksonville then maybe we would have done a due south course uh cross the stream and then cross it down south but we just stayed close and it was also one of those things we knew we were gonna have to motor a lot so we we didn't we only had one jerry can for fuel so we knew we might have to pull in at places like Delaware Bay or possibly Norfolk or something like that. So we did want to stay within, you know, 50 miles of shore and all that sort of stuff. But had a beautiful day when it finally warmed up. Um, classic flat becalmed, beautiful ocean. I mean, I was in awe. You know, we had we had the new moon for the first little bit, so the stars were out of this world the i think it's the leonads leonads leonards whatever it is i don't know the the way they name meteor showers has always been mind-boggling to me but they're essentially coming out of the part of the sky where the constellation leo is uh, i do know that uh but they were at their peak on the 18th and we we definitely saw them pretty much throughout the whole 
the whole journey. But beautiful stars, calm ocean, and, you know, you got a motor, you hear that, but this boat was recently repowered, and so the engine was nice and quiet. You could even sleep. I was sleeping in the aft cabin. Uh, down below, this boat's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, tons of room, awesome nav station, beautiful galley, huge, you know, um, U-shaped couch around a nice table and then a settee and then a forward berth two heads two heads i've been on a boat with two heads in forever besides mine and sparrows it's <laughs> a pretty good joke um but yeah uh so we had that one and and then we were forecast to get some wind then it just never came and it started getting a little frustrating uh, the droning of the engine starts to wear on you a little bit. So we tried to do a lot of, you know, cooking. We did some fishing. We didn't catch anything and just trying to keep spirits high. You know, we always had our sundowners in the evenings, which was really nice. That's always a great, uh, team building sort of exercise. Uh, when you get into especially a cold weather delivery, I find that you end up on deck by yourself quite a bit. Everybody else just wants to either be down below sort of chit-chatting or down below sleeping because they're tired. Um, and so things like meal time and then also the the sundowner time is is a great way to bring everybody together. And it's just one, one cocktail, never more. That's all it is. And luckily we were blessed with some pretty nice scotch on this trip, which was very nice. Uh, Rutherford would have approved, I'm sure. And... Yeah, so uh, we make it down there, and then we're we're basically headed towards Hatteras, and we kind of come to the the crux of the trip where we're like, okay, here we go, Gulf Stream right there, Cape Hatteras right there, our fuel level a little bit uh, in the gray area as far as how much we had left, the fuel gauge wasn't working, and. Um, we sort of, I don't know, we because it's a new engine, all that sort of stuff, it was, it was a little muddled. We didn't have it too, down to an exact science, uh, hours per gallon, so to speak. Uh, normally, you know, like on Sparrow, I know the tanks hold a total of 70, and I know how many hours I can get out of that engine at, you know, an average RPM. I believe, well, I could, I'd have to look at my logbook, but... Thankfully, you know, on that trip around the world, I went out there with a full tank and I ran it completely dry. So I know exactly how many hours, although because I was only um, using the RPMs, I was actually using the engine uh, for propulsion. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my uh, hours were probably a bit more than uh, than I normally would get if I was actually motoring. So that's kind of interesting. I just thought of that now. It's been years, too. Huh? I've been basing everything on a lie. Terrible. Or not a lie, but a uh, a misconception, I suppose. But yeah, so we, uh, we're we kind of looking at Hatteras. We're looking at the forecast. We're like, yeah, I think we can make it. And we just decided to go for it. We we're about like 10 miles off, off the, the shoals and stuff like that, Diamond Shoals. And uh, the forecast was supposed to like keep picking up. And I was on the watch where, you know, the winds were just starting to build a little bit out of the southeast. And we're just like, God, come on, we got to shut this engine down. We don't know how much fuel we have. And finally, around when we had, we had run for like 46, 47 hours, the winds just pick up enough and I'm able to throttle it back. 
I mean, I'm sitting there just like holding the boom, trying to just just keep the wind in the sails because a little bit of swell had picked up as well. That area just, you know, it's never really that calm at Hatteras. And yeah, the winds just kind of kept building and building, shut the engine down. And then within an hour of me going off watch, we went from just barely being able to sail and maintain like six, seven knots on a flat sea with a little bit of a roll to just getting bounced around like crazy. I think John got through some, some big squalls. Uh, we really wanted, we weren't sure if we had the wind or not for real. And so we had to just use it. So there's no reefing, none of that. It was like full power, full steam ahead, get around Hatteras and then we'll, we'll figure things out. But by the time I woke up and, uh, we had a bit of a debacle where I, I essentially, uh, I was so tired and so out. Normally, normally I wake up about 20 minutes or so before I need to be on watch. You know, I normally don't. Nobody has to come and wake me up. I'm always up beforehand so I can make some coffee, get my stuff ready, get up there a few minutes early. I hate, I really hate it when you hop up on deck and the person who's on watch is like, all right, there's a boat over there, there's a boat over there, there's a squall over there, I'm going to bed. Bang, and they're gone. It's sort of like, whoa, 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 hey, you still got five minutes, buddy. That's how I like to roll. I like to have a little time where we can, you know, see what's going on. And uh, anyway, I hop up there and there is that situation. It's like, oh, man, there's a squall. It's windy. Boat was super overpowered. I should have just been like, hey, let's reef the main. Uh, but at the same time, we didn't know how long the wind was going to last. And because the, the, the forecast was just really not great. And essentially, uh, I had to hand steer. And I hand steered for like two and a half hours. Um, but it's got all those big steering wheels. And we're just flying, surfing, not surfing. We were, we're pretty much reaching. And then every, when it would power up, I'd broad reach. So we'd be able to surf 10, 11 knots. Which was just, I mean, exhilarating, fantastic. It was, it was wonderful, um, and it was long surfs, but uh, a little out of control. But we were able to, you know, beat the squalls, get in front of them, and then the wind sort of eased up a little bit. So back onto the old uh, auto helm and stuff, and and it just felt good. We were like, we did it, we made it around, and and then it was sort of the long haul. But we get to. Uh, we plan on pulling into Beaufort, which uh, I was just there, you know, back in May taking Sparrow through there. So I had, I had only passed through. I didn't get to actually stop. So I was, I was pretty interested in seeing it. And we cut and go right along the shoals that are outside of the inlet for Beaufort. And, man, they're just all turbulent. The waves had picked up to maybe like six, eight feet or something. And, yeah, it was pretty wild to watch the the shoals that close and, and try and capture them on film, even though that never looked that cool. Not as cool as it looked from my vantage point, but we get in there and just before sunset, pull onto that dock. It felt fantastic. And Beaufort is such an adorable little town. Oh my gosh, talk about a place you could just pull up and anchor for, you know, a summer. Like it just so cool. And we get in there and the only problem is literally the moment after the night of being just, you know, bounced around in the in the bunk with my back. Uh you know, I just can't, I can't sleep like on my back, like I normally would when, when it's rough, you just sort of wedge yourself in, lay on your back and you're good. I can't do that. The pain, the pain's too much. And, uh, so I'm trying desperately to find a good spot and I can't find one. I'm just getting bounced around. So by the time I step foot off of that boat onto that dock, I was in pain. Like everybody's looking at me like, what, 
what is wrong, man? I'm like, dude, my back is killing me. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was definitely kind of the only bummer really when it came to everything, but we had a nice dinner, all that sort of stuff. Went to that bar. I think it's called shipwrecks and they get the wooden tokens. I still have a couple of those and super cool. Like those wooden tokens are neat. Um, you know, they can be traded for, for drinks and they never expire and it's like their thing. And, uh, I don't know, pretty, pretty darn cool. Um, but yeah, then we had a nice big dinner there. I can't remember the place, but it was really good and great service there. Uh, shout out Jackie. And, um, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was a neat little spot and it, and it, it was so funny. The sailing world is, is microscopic when I think about it because the dock we pull into, I look over and I see this, uh, uh I forget the name of it. A Norbenhaben, something like that. It's a, kind of a trawler big beefy bow and everything like that and i see l lm6 which means love machine six which means it's owned uh by um some friends of mine that own the bitter end and i had actually slept on that boat for a few days when i was in connecticut on the speaking tour <laughs> i mean and right there and i see people on deck and i'm like hey hey is that da 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 and, and they look down and they're like no 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 we're 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 delivering the boat for them, da 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 stuff, and ends up um, being one of the Kilbride clan from back in the day, the uh, scuba divers and all that. I'm throwing a lot of names out, but hopefully I'm not giving away too much. Um, but yeah, I got to chat with them. Basically, tons of connections. We all know each other essentially, but we never met. The sailing world, it's unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. And uh, so we sent a bunch of selfies off to eat people and everything. It was like, oh my God, how coincidental. But yeah, uh, other than the back, though, it was all good. And essentially, the next day, we look at the forecast, and we're just like, man, the wind, we're going to be pretty much running with it if we go now. And the winds are going to lighten up in the next few days. So, and, and we were actually greeted as well by Kim. That's where she joined the crew in Beaufort. And we all just sort of said, hey, we got the breeze. Let's let's use and abuse it. So we took off, and it was lighter than expected, and obviously the calm conditions and everything because it was initially like a northerly breeze, uh, which is why we were sort of happy to get around Hatteras. We were, we were kind of beating. Um, it was southeasterlies, and then it was going to switch to blow 25 uh, or more out of the north. So not a place to be. And probably a little foolish that we were down there with such little fuel, but – in the end, we actually had a decent amount of fuel, so, you know, it was one of those things. But in any event, um, yeah, we just we, – we head out, and the winds were kind of light, and and John, man, he he's like a cowboy out there. It's great. He's just like, well, let's throw up the asymmetrical, see if we can get this baby cooking. And, you know, the boat is so, like, dialed in, and, you know, kite goes up when, in a sock. We just unfurl that, and, you know – the wind and the angle weren't quite all that great, and we sailed with it for an hour or so, and then it was just like, yeah, let's pull it down. Yank it all down. We motored for a little bit, got a little further offshore, and then the wind started to pick up right around sunset, and this is where it just gets good. And we're, we're like, wow, and the wind's kind of come around a little bit, and to make our mark and do a straight, straight shot, boom, it is wing on wing with the pulled out jib, mainsail all the way out. And all of a sudden, we're doing eight, nine knots um, and still a really flat sea, which is one rolling swell coming in from the east. And 
beautiful sunset. We have a nice big dinner. We uh, Brian caught kingfish. So we had kingfish steaks, delicious. Oh, my gosh. Um, just amazing. I don't know. It was amazing. And then all the energy from Kim being on there, the new crew and stuff, it was just it was it was a super super fun night and knowing that it was going to be our last night on the boat it was kind of like you know got to take in and enjoy it but it was warm that was the biggest key that was the kicker it it went from being a trip where every night it was like in the 40s to being in the 60s and man it felt good and the stars came out and we were at the peak of the meteor shower and ah it was so so good but the the winds kept picking up and the waves kept getting bigger. And by about midnight, let's see. So we approached Cape Fear, the shoals at Cape Fear, which are called the Pancake Shoals, I believe. And we were only about two miles off of those. Had to cut it a bit close. But we're wing on wing. The wind's a little shifty or whatever. But within about an hour or two hours before we got to there, the winds picked up enough where uh, our – we're surfing waves up to 11, 12 knots, and it was getting a little dicey. We may or may not have crash-jibed at one point, but the preventer held, so it was no big deal. Uh, but it was it was, it was, was not white-knuckle sailing, but we were powered up. We, you know, Again, eh, if we would have furled away a little bit of jib, if we would have put the reef in the main, we probably would have still been able to maintain some awesome speeds. Just not quite as big numbers as we were seeing. And it just felt good to just just push the boat. And the boat's so well taken care of, new rigging, new all this, new everything. We were just, I don't know. I think part of John John's thinking was like, let's do this. Let's 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 throw it out there. And uh so we all kind of had fun and and um some people got some sleep, others like myself stayed up almost the entire night. I think I only got like two hours of sleep that night, but it was just so beautiful out there. I mean, there's something about just night sailing. We had the half moon at this point. This was all lit up. Once that died down, then we got the stars. There was a lightning storm, you know, out by the the stream, which is about 40 miles away or something. So we're seeing the flashing in the distance. And I don't know, man, it just reminded me of, uh, being out on the ocean because, well, I was out on the ocean and it felt great. And, you know, I was alone in the cockpit for quite a few hours. I had John came up for rounding the shoal, you know, make sure in case we had to do something. Uh, it was a little crazy. We, we ended up jibing at one point. So you got to jibe the main over and then and then disconnect the pole and do all that. We actually ended up starting to dip the pole to jibe it over. But still, when you're that powered up, it was a little bit of a, a little bit hectic, if you will. Uh, but yeah, just uh, we get around there, and then the winds just really kind of picked up even just a touch more. But the waves were really the game changer because once they got to a bigger, big enough uh, section, we started seeing like 13 knot surfs. And then, oh, hey, 14, we have 14. Wow, we can't do any more than that. That's crazy. Then we hit 15.8 at one point on a long surf, and I was like, wow, this boat is really – something else oh man and it was just i don't know it was great it was a little out of control in the morning but i was asleep for most of that um i think i ended up doing the three till six i did the let's see i did six till midnight or something and then slept for a few hours and then did three till six and then i crashed out for a good while um after that but we were just just racing because we ended up uh 
jiving, bringing the jib over and um, broad reaching the way back into Charleston. And the winds just held and we just creamed it in there and just screaming along and ah, it just felt good. It's just loud and we're moving fast. We got there hours before we were supposed to. And then pulling into Charleston, always just beautiful. Huge container ship coming out. Lots of just that green water, greenish brown, um, getting in there, the jetties. And I don't know. It's been a long time since I pulled into Charleston Harbor. And it's, a, it's such a beautiful sort of historic place. And I don't know. It was great. And, uh, yeah, we docked her up and gave her a little rinsey-roo. Nothing, nothing crazy. You know, it wasn't one of those uh, – uh, it was one of those trips. There's just been some where, you know, we pull in after a week or two at sea and it's like, all right, everybody, the next five hours, we're just going to clean this boat. And you're just thinking to yourself, dude, shoot me now. <laughs> like, what? Ah, give me at least 20 minutes to have a, a brew or, or something or just sit or check an email or two. What do you say, Cap? Uh, so now we, we, Kim made up some pina coladas and we sat in the cockpit and uh, just chatted, and then we all took a nap, and then we all went out to dinner. It was my kind of ending to a great, great trip, and we all had a blast. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think you can gauge how well a delivery goes by, one, the condition of the boat, and the boat was fine. Um, you know, a few little maintenance things here and there, but most of it was like, you know, the the, the deck nav lights were uh, shorting out a little bit, and that's just a little saltwater thing. No big tears in the sails, anything like that, or no no tears at all, I should say. Um, so the boat's good, uh, but mostly, you know, the morale of the crew. We all were looking forward to the crew dinner afterwards. It wasn't one of those like, oh god, now we gotta go out to dinner with these people. And I have seen, I've literally, I've seen times where we pull into port, and you know, you don't really have much of an inkling that's about to happen. But the captain basically looks at one or two of the guys and is like, hey. You too. Pack your bags. Get off my boat. I don't want to ever see you again. And you're, like, you're like, whoa, where, where did that come from? And it was just something that was, you know, boiling under the surface from whether it's just an incident or just personalities not going well. But when you're out at sea, you don't, uh, you know, unless it's something that's like a safety thing or whatever or something, you don't you don't sit there and, and you can hash things out because you don't want you don't want things to like boil over when people's heads are budding. Uh, but at the same time, there are, there are times where it's just, it's not, it's not a good match or people just do stupid stuff that they really shouldn't. And they get caught out on it and stuff. And you wait until you get into port. And once you're in there, cause you know, you gotta, you gotta keep morale going while you're out at sea at all costs. Um, that's where things get weird if you're offshore and, and, feelings get hurt and egos bruised and blah, all that sort of stuff. So it can be a recipe for some big time trouble. So it has been, uh, I've seen it firsthand and been like, Holy cow, I'm glad I wasn't that guy. <laughs> and I, I mean, I've had it where there was one that was kind of like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was a little bit more passive aggressive. And I remember the captain coming to me and the other guy and saying, Hey, um, you guys are cool to stay on the boat for a couple of days. Um, just just kind of like pack your bags up to clean up because um, I'm basically going to tell everybody they got to get off this boat because these two got to go <laughs> without having to just kick them off and then let us stay. So, you know, and, and then, you know, it's just the degrees of it or whatever. But neither here nor there. The boat is there. 
Everybody did a fantastic job. I'm just, I, it was so, so much fun to do a delivery. It was a great job to have. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing more of them this winter. And hopefully, if anybody is in need or knows people that are in need, tell them to go to the website. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hopefully be working on that. Come the new year, one of the big things I want to add to sort of the website and everything is the the sort of crew delivery crew or consultant or or whatever. You know, I don't I don't have a hundred ton license or anything like that. Um, so legitimate, like I and I I actually don't have a lot of. Uh, desire to be a delivery boat captain I far far more enjoy and it's so weird because back in the day I used to I used to despise it when the owners would come on the boats typically I was doing a lot bigger boats so it was kind of a different demographic you know taking like an 80 foot boat the owner of that's gonna be a little different than the owner of a 50 foot boat who's far more involved in everything uh but essentially yeah, you go out there with the, the owners of the boat and everything, and you have a blast, and you learn stuff, and you share knowledge, and you know you're you're sort of also a safety line for those who haven't done a lot of offshore stuff because you know if if the proverbial shit hits the fan, uh, it's nice to have somebody who's been through a lot of that because, like I always say, I'm not an expert; I've just got a lot of experience, and that comes in handy when you're out there and and things do go awry. So. I like doing that, and I think uh, I don't. I would never want to do it like full time, but for the rest of this winter, I'm going to be looking to grab any job I can, whether it's speaking or it's sailing. And uh, you know, after a trip like this, uh, I'm hoping this wasn't the best of the best deliveries I get to do over the next few months. Uh, but it's going to be hard to beat. I will say that. So big thanks to Kim. Big thanks to John. Big thanks to Brian. Uh, big thanks to Prima, the beautiful Sabre 45 that safely brought us uh, down the East Coast in all types of weather and all types of temperatures. It was fantastic. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for all your continued support. Uh, it does not go unnoticed. I absolutely love it. And uh, we will be putting together the other podcast with all the raw stuff and i guess we'll see if my explanation here tonight matches up with what actually went on on the boat that'll be kind of funny you'll have to tell me if there's any inconsistencies because again though i'll just blame it on my muddled tired brain thanks for listening and until next time